Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. God has this crazy, crazy idea that life itself is all about Him. Shane and I have a friend, his name is Quinn, and he was just a little guy going to a Christian school at the church we used to attend when I was uh, stationed in the military. And Quinn got so touched by the Holy Spirit in his class when he was learning arithmetic and everything else like that, that he went from class to class that day because he was so full of the Holy Spirit. And he began to pray for one student after the next. And revival that happened in his classroom, they were at school. Revival that happened in his classroom began to spread from classroom to classroom to classroom to classroom. Because God has this crazy idea that life's all about Him. What if church service, can I dream a little bit? What if church service was like that bucket last week when Red preached? And this overflowing presence so flowed over us that would usher out of this church through the streets of Gardendale to other churches and to homes of people who aren't even in church this morning, who have no idea the gospel and the saving grace of Christ. What if it overflowed to them? Can I read you a scripture verse this morning? Hebrews chapter 11, I love this version. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen. Scripture tells us that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Faith is the reality of what we hope for. I'm hoping that this whole altar area church service after church service is lined with every single young person and people from miles around coming who are hungry and thirsty who have tears running down their faces and their hands raised saying I need Jesus the one who can save I need to be overpouring I need to be flowing out to every person that I come in contact with I want to be like a Quinn I want to be overflowing God, teach me to pray for people in my workplace. Teach me to pray for people in gas stations. Teach me to pray for people all around the world, Father. Teach me that I need to be overflowing so that way this overflowing presence goes from church to church and street to street and home to home. Church, God wants to do amazing things. Faith is not just some hope in a sky. It's the reality. It's the reality. It's the reality of things hoped for. You guys ready for amazing things this morning? Like I've said before, God never comes empty-handed. He's too good for that. You guys ready for the word this morning? Everything that God wants to say to our hearts? Well, listen, say hello to two or three beautiful people around you. Get them excited about Jesus. And let's get ready. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have you ever walked up behind a pulpit and wasn't 
exactly sure what you're going to be preaching on? No. It's a great feeling. It really is. Especially when you're not well educated and you didn't go to seminary or you don't have a degree in theology and you have to rely on the same Holy Spirit and be led by the same Holy Spirit that Jesus relied on and was led by. Amen. You're not here this morning by accident. If you came this morning, including me, it's for a reason. God doesn't make accidents. There's no such thing as coincidence. You won't even find the word coincidence in the entirety of the Bible because it's not in there because there's not a coincidence. God does make appointments. He makes appointments before you were even in your mother's womb. He was making appointments for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. And maybe you haven't got any friends here, but you're going to make some friends here. A lot of times you need new friends because who you hang around with is very important. I'm reminded of the man who was lame that was laying on a mat. He couldn't get himself up and he couldn't get to church. He couldn't get himself up and get to Jesus. He'd been laying on that mat for quite some time. But some friends gathered around him and they said, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to pick you up and carry you to where he's teaching. We're going to carry you to church. We're going to get you to Jesus. See, a lot of times you lay on a mat for a whole lot of years and your friends just stand around the mat and look at you laying there. And that it's not their intentions to get you to Jesus. See, what I've come to in my life, if I go eat lunch with you, or if I go riding with you, or if I go help you do something, it's not really because I'm that concerned with going riding, eating lunch, or helping you do something. It's because I want to get you to Jesus. I'm not a greedy person, and if you know me, you know I'm not greedy. And if you think I'm greedy, you don't know me. But see, I don't want to hold him up for myself, but I want to share him with everybody. Because that's how good he's been to me. Because see, I lived in bondage. When I got set free, hey, I, I came out, I came busting out, and I want everybody to be set free because of who the Son sets free is free indeed. I want you to feel freedom. It's a good feeling. And his friends gathered around him, and they said, we got to get you there. And they got him there, and it's so crowded they can't even get in. So they turned around and went back home. No, that's not how the story goes. The story, that's, a lot of times that is what happens. We're willing to carry somebody or deal with somebody for a certain amount of time. But then we say, this, this is too hard. This is too much. The crowd's too big. I can't get in the door. You've borrowed money from me over and over and over. And you've been on the wagon and on and off. And I just can't deal with you anymore. I'm done. But these people didn't do that. His friends didn't do that. They said, no, we're going to keep going. So they made their way up to the top of the house, ripped the roof off, and lowered him down to Jesus. That's the kind of friends you need to be associated with. Friends that's not only going to carry you to Jesus, but they're willing to rip the dang roof off to get you to him. Whew. And that's the kind of friend you need to be to everybody. And be willing. Seven mile walk. Jesus walked seven miles. Will you walk seven miles? Will you listen to him cry and whine and complain and moan for seven miles, seven years, whatever it takes? i got some friends in my life now that don't think it hadn't crossed my mind about giving up on them, but I can't because Jesus never gave up on me. And those other people that are here in this building and other places never gave up on me. Praise the Lord. I'm not giving up on them until they're dead. I can't do anything after they're dead, but while they're still alive... I'm still going to be their friend. Praise the Lord. 
in the book of Mark, in the first chapter. First chapter of Mark. Verse 40. And I don't see it. I see it, but you don't see what I see. But that's okay. You, if you've got your Bible or phone or you've got ears, you can just listen. Amen? No, it's not there. I like the book of Mark. First of all, I like the book of Mark because he paints a picture for us to show us the power of grace. It's not just words, but he's literally painting a picture. In fact, he doesn't use a lot of words. When he tells a story, he probably tells it a lot like I do. Not a whole lot of details, but what he does is he paints a picture of the power of grace. Amen? And see, the word grace is a word that we just throw around like many other words, probably in the English translation in our culture. They don't seem to have as much power. They've lost their power. But just because... Uh, you don't necessarily understand what the word means. doesn't mean it has lost any power whatsoever at all. It just means our understanding needs to reach a new level of, what, of the power of grace, right? The power of it is not contained by our conception. So Mark here is showing us something about grace. It's actually an Easter message. One thing I've learned about reading Scripture is about everything in the Bible is an Easter message because everything points to the cross. Everything points to Jesus coming and taking your place. He came and took our place. I know Easter's next Sunday. Invite somebody. More people go to church on Easter than any other day of the entire year. If you can't get them to come any other time, you can get them to come next week. Guarantee it. It's Easter. Who skips church on Easter? I mean, come on. This is somewhat of an Easter message. It says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him. That means begging him, kneeling down to him, saying, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He is willing, and he can. He can, and he will. Amen. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and he touched him. And he said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded. See, this was under the law, and this is what you had to do. And this would be a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. He did exactly what Jesus told him not to do, and he spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, or your Bible maybe say, may say lonely places. And they came to him from... Every direction. So Jesus is now outside in lonely places. And you notice there the man, he doesn't have a name. It's just the man with leprosy. I'm sure he had a name. But the, Mark doesn't mention his name. The other gospels doesn't mention his name. There's no mention of his name. It's just a man with leprosy. I feel certain the man had a name. But see, everyone else had given him a name. It was the man with leprosy. And that's what he was identified was, was the man with leprosy. And a lot of times your identity, people don't, give, don't, don't call you by your name, but they, they call you by your condition or by your issues. And they do it so much that you forget what your name is and who you really are. 
what God created you to be. And now you just see yourself as having that condition or having those issues. Praise the Lord. That's, that's true. That's real life. Moses comes up to a burning bush. And God spoke to him from the bush. He said, who are you? What's your name? He said, I am. I am who? And God didn't say it, but he said it. And he said, I am whatever you need. Whatever you need, I am. Whatever you need right here and right now, I am. Whatever you need in this season, last season, the next season, I am. Whatever you need in 10 years, I already know that you're going to need it. And I am right now what you need in 10 years. I'm what you need in this season, the next season, the next season. I'm everything you need. See, a human being will never be what you need. I wanted to be everything that my wife needed. I did. Without saying it, on the inside, secretly, I wanted to be everything. Everything. You have no need except right here. I can provide you everything and anything you need. But I don't care if you've been married 25 years or 125 years. You can't provide her or can't provide him everything he needs. There's only one that can provide. There's only one I am, and that's Jesus Christ. He's your Lord and Savior. He's the only one that can provide every one of your needs. The I, I am, the great I am. Praise the Lord. And we get over, we have this identity crisis, and we, we get over, we over-identify with our issues. And all of a sudden, now we don't know who we are. We also can over-identify with gifts. With gifts. And now I am who I am based off my gift. And now I get acceptance and approval based off my performance. That's not right. That's incorrect. Your acceptance and approval will never be based off your performance. It's always going to be based off his performance. Because see, he performed for you. You're accepted because he's accepted. See, God looked at the blood and he said, I'm satisfied. Praise the Lord. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. You need to get a grip if we think that our performance is going to get us anywhere. Praise the Lord. This man had leprosy. And uh, he was confined. He was in living in desolation. He was outside the city. If you read in Leviticus, you'll start seeing all the laws and all the rules and all the things you can and can't do and all the things that had to take place. You'll see in there what you can eat, a lot of stuff on your diet. But you can also find in Leviticus 13, it's like a cosmetology chapter. It starts talking about your skin. And that's the problem this man had because he had leprosy. It says in Leviticus, the 13th chapter, the 45th verse, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. In other words, he's going to have something around his head that's from his nose down, covering his... What does that remind you of? Put your mask on. You know what, if we, if we rewrote this scripture right here, but the man with leprosy came to town, he heard about Jesus, and he came and he implored him and he begged him. If we rewrote it today, it would be, there was a man who was outside the city, who he had COVID-19. 
And he heard there was a bunch of Christians that went to church every Sunday. So he went up to the people at the church, the Christians, and they all, and he said, I've got COVID. And all the Christians took off screaming, running for their lives. I know it's real, but the Word of God's real. And Jesus says, the things I do, you'll do even greater. We're not seeing the greater. That's a problem. We should be seeing the greater. Amen. He shall be unclean all the days. He has so, the sower and shall be unclean. He is unclean. And he shall dwell alone. That's important. Get that. He shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So this man's living outside the camp. Lonely places. You out there by yourself. That's lonely. Living in desolation. Out there all alone. Are y'all with me? This man with no name. Who had some issues. Living alone. Came to the name. It's the name that's above every name. And see, so your issue's been given a name. Maybe you've been given a name by somebody. But whatever that issue is that has a name, it has to bow down to the name. Because it says in the Word of God that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. But why wait one day? Let's just go ahead and get started right now. And bring your issue and bow down to the name that's above the name of your issue. Praise the Lord. So this man, he comes to town, or he's outside of town rather, and he's living lonely. He, he can't touch anybody. He can't touch anybody. If he even comes in close proximity to anybody, he's got to yell, unclean, 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 with this mask over his face. He can't touch anybody. Can you imagine not being able to touch your kids? Can't touch your wife? Can't be touched? And some of you have experienced these things. I know. Uh, maybe you have a child that's in jail and all you can do is look at them and you can't touch them. That's got to hurt. I can't imagine. I know when we had, me and Jackie have four children and when the last three were born all at the same time, we couldn't touch them for a long time. They were under this big bubble. All we could do was just look at them. We wanted to touch them. I really wanted to jump inside that bubble and snatch them up and take them home, but I couldn't. I couldn't touch them. And that was a painful experience. The most... One of the most, probably the most painful experience of my entire life. It's tough. And the thing is, they didn't even have a personality. They just two and a half pound little, like a Barbie doll. Couldn't touch them, but it was painful. I could only imagine what if they were five or six or eight or ten or twelve or sixteen and now I can't touch them. That's real pain. That's the kind of pain this man right here is experiencing. Can't touch anybody. Living outside of town in a lonely place. And some of you are living in lonely places. People that sound of my voice perhaps living in a lonely place. People don't know it. But you're in a lonely place. A lonely place in your heart. And this man broke all these religious rules. Everything that he did, he did it wrong. According to the law, you're supposed to keep it at a distance. The distance was 50 paces. You had to stay 50 paces outside of town. You couldn't come closer than 50 paces. 50 paces is 30 inches. A pace is 30 inches. Three feet is 36 inches. So real quickly, you should say 
uh, 50 times 3 feet is 150, and then 50 times a half a foot, you could say a whole foot's 50, cut it in half is 25. 25 from 150 is 125. That should really happen in your mind and your brain in about three seconds. It does in mine. Jackie's still up there with a calculator right now. <laughs> counting on her fingers. But you don't have to add when you, when you look that good. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't marry because of her, her mathematical abilities. I don't even care about cooking. Just good looking. That's, that's enough. <laughs> 50 paces outside of town. 125 feet. This man's got spots on his skin. And sure, a lot of times we have problems, we have issues, and we have things, we have addictions, and they're manifested on the outside where people can see them just like the man you can see. He had spots on his skin. And a lot of times we see things and we see spots on people's lives, but the most dangerous spots that I know of are the ones that are hidden or down on the inside of you. Spots on your soul, spots in your heart, spots on the inside that nobody knows are there that you're hiding and you're ashamed of, don't want to come out. The spots on the inside that nobody sees. And people, even some of your closest friends around you don't even know about the spots. This man, if he did want to come out into public places, he had to keep a distance and these are all Levitical laws, and he could keep a distance, but he had to stay behind like a wall or a screen to protect the other people. See, the law was to protect the other people. He had to wear the mask, and he had to stay behind the screen. I see people all the time wearing masks, and they're behind the screen. And he had to stay behind this screen. He could come to church. He just couldn't get too close. And he had to stay behind a screen. And I think about all the years in my life that I came to church, but I was sitting behind a screen or sitting behind a wall. I was there and I was at church, but I had my mask on. I was sitting behind a screen or a wall and nobody knew the real me because I never came out from behind the wall and I never came out from behind the screen. So many people do this every Sunday, every Wednesday, year in, day in, day out, year in, year out, do it. Come to church, sit behind a screen or a wall. Let me tell you, shame creates these walls. You're ashamed to come out from behind the wall. You're ashamed to come out behind the screen. And that's why Satan always wants to remind you of all the mistakes and all the failures and bring it up so that you will live a life of shame and stay behind the screen. So that you'll stay at 50 paces. That's where he wants you. That's where he wants you. Amen. Shame creates this distance. We come to church, fight off emotions. I've done it. I did it for years. I don't do it now. I, I don't do it now. But for a lot of years, I would come to church and fight off emotions. I'd fight it off. I knew he was speaking to me. I knew the word was for me. I knew it was for me, and I'd fight it off. I'd fight it off. I'd fight off the emotions. I wanted to come to the altar, 
I wanted to fall on my face. I wanted to cry out and beg out for God, but too tough for that. I got this. And I'd fight off the emotions, and I'd just remain seated. And I'd get up and go home, a lot of times feeling worse than I did when I came. Not because the word wasn't good, but because I didn't respond to the word. And then the shame would just grow and grow and grow. And that's Satan's plan. Some people come home from work physically, but you don't come home mentally. This right here, this can be a screen. In fact, it has a screen. And you can create whatever you like on here. You can get on social media, media, the digital uh, persona. Of, you can create what you want. You look like you got it all together. Me and my family's on this great vacation, but the reality is you're not on a great vacation. You've been cussing, fighting, screaming, hollering the whole time, talking about getting one of those divorce lawyers. But according to Facebook, we're a big happy family. But see, that's hiding behind the screen. That's hiding behind the screen or putting pictures of all the things you've bought and all your new toys, but the reality is you can't even make the payment next month. They're talking about coming and repoing it. Intimacy requires close proximity you can't get close at 50 paces you can't get close to Jesus outside of town at 50 paces you can't be intimate with another human being at 50 paces you can't be intimate with somebody on a phone you will have to get in close proximity you'll have to touch this man had to touch Jesus he had to be touched by Jesus amen this man violated the law, and this law was there to protect people. And um, I was thinking about this man this morning. What, what thoughts were going through his mind? What the process was? Had he heard something? He must have heard something. He must have heard about other people being healed, and other people being touched, and other people being set free. Heard about people being lowered down through roofs. Heard about other things. He heard something good about Jesus. He heard something good about the grace of God. So much so that he's willing to violate this law. He probably said to himself, if Jesus did it for them, he'll do it for me. Or maybe he'll do it for me. And we need to look around at other people. Say, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. You need to look at me and say, if he'll do it for him, he'll do it for me. Because he's no respecters of persons. He will do it for you. He will do it for anybody. And see, when we walk around, people should see us and say, I want what he's got. I want Jesus to do for me what he did for him. Because I remember the old you, but I like this new you a whole lot better. And I want that. Praise the Lord. This guy's at 50 paces. 50 paces. He's outside of town 50 paces. And a lot of times the hardest thing is that first step. You've been out here for so long. You've been out here living your life for so long. You've been in lonely places so long. You've been wherever it is. You've been out here in desolation for so long. It's, this, it's that, that, that first step. It's like getting up and going to the gym. That first step's a doozy, isn't it? 
I'm never taking it. So, in a lot of years, I think about that first step, and I'm like, nope. Go back to bed. I mean, the love handles aren't that bad. I'm going, this thing's going to have to work because i got something on here to show you. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I see nothing on my screen except I don't, you can pull them up when I need them. That's all good. First step, so if he came out of town, they could stone him to death. So he's got to get to Jesus so he can either die trying or just stay out here living half-hearted and never fulfill the call, never experience healing, never experience any of these things. I can die trying or live half-hearted. I'd rather die trying. A lot of people die letting people think that I'm good and I've got it all together and everything's fine. And we're going to stay out here in lonely places outside 50 paces away. They'd rather die out there than let somebody know who they really are. Because you're embarrassed. There can't be anything more embarrassed than being stripped down, butt naked, butt naked, not like the pictures, naked, and walking down the center of town carrying a cross. He was embarrassed for you. Amen. And if you're behind the wall this morning or you're behind the screen, the Lord's just here speaking to you this morning and saying, come out. It's time to come out. Don't stay behind the screen. Don't. He's not going to come back there and drag you up. He came to you, but he lets you come to him. And we have these secret spots. We have these insecurities. And these insecurities keep us behind the wall keep us behind the screen and we live a performance based life 50 steps that's a long way 50 steps is a mighty long way 50 steps i wonder i relive this I, I tried to relive it in my mind about the man he's so far away and all the thoughts that are going through his mind they may kill me they may kill me because under the law i can be stoned jesus may even reject me i don't know what's going to happen but i've got to start moving forward i've got to start taking some steps it's just 50 steps away but i'm just 50 steps away from holding my daughter I'm just 50 steps away from being with my wife having dinner tonight. I'm just 50 steps away from getting to go to the baseball game and watch my son play. I'm just 50 steps away from taking the whole family on a vacation. Just 50 steps away. I'd rather die trying than stay out here. Is that what the man was thinking? I think so. Just 50 steps away. 50 steps away. People are going to think I'm crazy. I may get stoned. I wonder how it's going to look because they thought I was so cool, but now I'm coming out from behind the wall and they see who I really am, how desperate I really am for a Savior. What are they going to think? Are we going to keep marching around the walls or are we going to give up? Are we going to carry the man to the mat, on the mat all the way to the roof or are we going to stop when we see it's crowded, turn around and go back? See, he, he's going. 
He's going and he's walking. Next thing you know, now he's inside of town and he's closer to this than he is to that. I've done come so far, why stop now? I'm closer to Jesus now than I've ever been. I haven't made it all the way to where I want to be. My life's not exactly where I want it to be, but I can't stop now. I've come so far, I'm closer to this than I am to that. That's what he was doing. Praise the Lord. The unclean cannot touch the clean. The unclean can't touch the clean. But this unclean man said, I've got to touch the clean. Somebody tried to touch Jesus one time, and Peter pulled out a sword and whacked his ear off. Where was Peter at right here in this moment? Why didn't he pull his sword out and whack his ear off? Because this could ruin Jesus' whole ministry. If this man, this unclean, this defiled man touches what's clean, this could ruin his whole ministry. But this man, who knew he was unclean, still came to Jesus, imploring him, begging him on his knees. I see more faith in the man with the unclean skin than I do people with clean skin. Talking about the religious. Who think they've got it all together. So out of place. So out of place. So out of place. What he was doing is out of place. It was out of order. But he goes these 50 paces. Now I was thinking about the 50 paces to Jesus. And I was reading the scripture. Put the one up there where it says, that's it. A man with leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I see that, and I say, he came to 50 paces. Now he's here where Jesus is. I see a lot of Christians, including the, the life I used to live, I fit, I fit in this category, but I came 50 paces every Sunday. I came 50 paces every Sunday. I got to the place where Jesus was. He was there. The presence of God was there. Healing was there. Peace was there. Everything I needed was there. I was there. I was in close proximity. I came to 50 paces. But it's not the 50 paces that got him healed. It's not the 50 paces that got him touched. It's the 51st. Because the 50th pace looked like this. But the 51st looked like this. And it says he begged him on his knees. So many people come to church and they go to 50 paces, but they never go the 51st. They never get on their knees and bow down to the name that's above the name of every issue you've got or ever will have. I feel like preaching now. I woke up feeling like preaching actually. I just wasn't exactly sure what I was going to preach on. But anytime I've got the handheld mic, I'm going to preach. You can't preach with a lapel on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The 51st step. The 51st step. It's the 51st step. Are we living at the 50th? We need to be at the 51st. He asked Jesus, he says, I know you can. See here? If you are willing... You can make me clean. So the question wasn't, can you? He knew he could. He just said he wasn't sure if he was willing. Not sure if you were willing, but I know you can. I'm not sure if you're willing. 
See, the perfect came to take place of the imperfect. See, the law is here. The law says you can't touch me. You can't touch this. The law wasn't imperfect in terms of that God made a mistake. It was perfect in pointing out spots and failures. It was, it was, it was perfect in, in pointing out that you need a Savior, that you can't do it. But it wasn't perfect in saving your soul and forgiving of you of all your sins. That's when grace came. Grace came, the new covenant of grace. The perfect came. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. So now, see, the unclean couldn't touch the clean. Because if the unclean touched the clean, now the clean became unclean under the law. That was the imperfect part. But now perfection came, grace came. Grace is a powerful thing. Now the unclean touches the clean, but the unclean doesn't make the clean unclean, but the clean makes the unclean clean. It's the exact opposite. The perfection came. He's clean, come touch me. And what I've got is going to rub off on you because I'm contagious. That's how grace works. Rub up on me and you're going to rub up on some righteousness. You might have came unrighteous, but you're going to rub up on this, getting this close proximity. Now you're going to leave righteous. You're going to leave better than you came. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Grace is contagious. And righteousness will absolutely rub off on you. You just got to hang around some righteous people. You got to hang around righteousness itself, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, I know you can, but are you willing? Well, I know you created the sea, but I'm not sure if you can calm the storm in my life, in the sea of my life. See, we don't have a problem believing God is great and He created everything, but we have a hard time believing He's good. I know you created the sea, but will you calm the sea for me? I know you can, but are you willing? And that's, that's a big question in churches. They know God can, but is He willing? Well, the answer can be found right here in Scripture because Jesus says, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing to touch you. And Jesus touched Him. That's the first time the man had felt a human touch in I don't know how long. But he felt something on his skin. The one who made his skin, who wrapped flesh around his bones, the very one who did it was touching him. You realize he wasn't just being touched by a human being, but he was actually being touched by the Word of God because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and became... I mean, the Word... Yeah. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this word is Jesus, and now he's being touched by the word itself. Amen. The word will heal you if you let it touch you. You can stay behind the wall and it won't touch you. You can put earplugs in, you can sleep through church, you can do whatever it is. The word will heal you. The word will heal you. It's medicine to your body. You just keep putting the medicine in. You can't OD on it. Actually, the more the better. Amen. That's scriptural. Praise the Lord. I'm hot. I know you're hot. I know. I guarantee you the AC thermostat wasn't set when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Let me tell you, it was hot. Sun shining on him. His whole body's busted up into pieces of blood. You know how yellow jackets cling to stuff and bugs? 
If you've ever been hunting and skinned an animal, how bugs just like to come to that blood, you don't think Jesus out there baking in the sun doesn't have to hide, beat off of him, bugs and all this stuff, it's all stuck all over him. You'll be okay. A few more minutes. Just making light of your current situation. It's not that hot. James Spann's fault. He, he made the bad weather and it did something to... Did something to the one of the units. Here's what I wanted to show you right here. Um, back that up a, a verse. All right. The first time I read it to you, I read it out of a different translation, and I wanted to show you something. That I learned. It's very powerful. Very powerful. We read Mark 1, 40 through, I think, 45. The New King James. <clears throat> There's so many translations and Bible scholars argue back and forth um, when they're, when they're um, translating from Hebrew or Greek into English. Sometimes the word can mean different things. And that word is used for different things in their culture and their language. And so we're trying to transfer uh, or trying to uh, turn it into English so that we can understand it, okay? Let's go through this real quick. A man with leprosy came to him, begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. 41st. Jesus was indignant. He was indignant. The first time we read it, it didn't say indignant. It says he was moved with compassion. Indignant and compassion are two entirely different words because indignant kind of means angry. A little frustrated, not liking this too much. But the other translation said compassion. Oh, it's so sweet. He was compassionate. Indignant. Two different words. So that's why I was saying earlier, there's a, there's a distance culturally. That's why it's good to break these things down. Because grace is... It's not a soft term. It's not a soft word in the Bible. We just say, oh, amazing grace. You know, our sin abounds grace much more abounds. And we just say it so much, it just loses its power. But it has lost its power. This word right here in the Greek is splamitsamai. 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 That's what Jesus said. He didn't, it wasn't compassion. And it wasn't indignant. The word was splamitsamai. And the compassion... And anger comes from the same place. That's what the scripture is telling us in the Greek, that it comes from the same place. So was he indignant or was he moved with compassion? I think both. Because see, it says it's from the innermost being, down from the bowels, from the inside, that Jesus felt something. I think when he saw the man that was covered with leprosy, that religion said, you've got to stay outside of town. You can't come closer than 50 paces. I think he felt a little splamitsamai. I think he was a little angry at the situation. But he was moved with compassion and he touched him and he said, oh, I'm willing. I can and I am willing. See, he felt something on the inside of him. He felt something. See, the first thing that happens when you're a leper is you lose your feeling. You lose your feeling. And when you lose your feeling, you become numb, and you can't feel anything. Did you know that you can just get a small cut or a small splinter and get infected and get really sick or even lose a limb because you never even knew that you had the splinter or the cut because you were numb and you couldn't feel anything? 
The same thing happens in life. You can grow hard-hearted and become numb to the things of God. Get a splinter, get an infection and die because you can't feel anything. Because you're like the man with the leprosy outside in lonely, desolate, desolate places. But Jesus says, I feel something. I feel something. And that's what he came to do. See, he can, he can relate. He can feel it. He's felt your pain. He's felt your suffering. He was bruised for our iniquities. That means he felt our iniquities. He felt it. And he was moved with compassion and he touched the man. The man had lost his feeling, but Jesus felt it. And Jesus can sympathize. A lot of people can't sympathize. There's people I can't sympathize with because I've never felt it. Jesus, he felt it. I can't really sympathize with someone who's strung out on cocaine because I've never been strung out on cocaine. But if you've lost all your money and you don't have enough money to buy a pack of hot dogs, I can sympathize. Because I know what it feels like to be broke. I also know what it feels like to abound. I also know that you can be satisfied with lack or in abundance. Because of the great I am. He said, I'm willing. I'm willing. See, I've heard, I am the good shepherd. Have you ever heard, I am the good shepherd? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the what? Does anybody know their Bible? The beginning and the end, the first and the last. The, the what? The first. The Word. But I've never heard I am willing. But that's who he is. That's his middle name, Will, because I will. I will. I will. I can and I will. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'll just amen myself. I don't mind. He told the man, he said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. We're getting the Easter message now. Don't tell anybody. Don't you tell anybody. It says he strictly warned him, don't tell anybody. Don't do it. See, Jesus didn't come to fix issues. He came to uh, die for our sins. That's what he came, to die for our sins, not fix issues. That was his work, to come and die for our sins. He says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He knew he was going to tell them because he's the beginning and the end. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. So before he ever healed the man, he knew that the man was going to go tell somebody. Remember we read the scripture. He said, don't tell anybody. But it said the man went and openly, freely talked, told everybody. And then Jesus put, 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 put the scriptures up there. Let's, let's look at it. 42. They're asleep up there. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left. And he was cleansed. 43. And he was strictly warned him. He said, he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Good. See, God's 
he'll work on your patience. That's how he does things. <laughs> it's just moving slow this morning, I'm guessing. I move slow a lot of times some mornings. And he said to him, See that you had nothing, you say nothing to anyone, but go your way showing yourself to the priest. So don't tell anyone. All right? He knew he was going to tell somebody. Go ahead and put the next one on there. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely, spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in where? Deserted places. Outside in where? Lonely places. Deserted, lonely places. The leper came, asked him, I know you're, you can, will you? And Jesus said, I will, but don't tell anybody. He knew he was going to tell people before he ever told him not to tell people. He knew he was going to struggle with his past mistakes and his past sins. See, here's the thing. He's going to save you. He's going to save me. He has saved you. He has saved me. And he'll save you even though that you'll struggle with the remnants of sin. Maybe you're going to struggle with things for a few months or a few years. That doesn't stand in the way of him saving you. Even though he knew the man was going to go and do exactly what he told him not to do, he still healed him. He knows you're going to struggle. That's my point. He knows you're still going to struggle, but that's not going to stop him from going to a cross and dying for you. That didn't stop him from, from dying for you. That didn't stop him from healing you. It won't stop him from healing you. But look at here. This is, this, is the most, this, this, is, this is the Easter message part of it right here. That man was in lonely places, and Jesus was in the city. The man came from the lonely place into the city. Jesus healed him. Then, they, then Jesus, since they found out he had touched the man with leprosy and the word spread, then he had to go out into lonely places where the man with leprosy stayed here in the city. See, Jesus went out to where the leper belonged. Jesus went to a cross and died. You and I belonged on the cross. He went into hell. You and I deserved hell. There was an exchange. He took place with the leper. He took place with you. He took place with me. That's good. I don't care who you are. He took our place. Praise the Lord. You can't blame the man for telling people. It's like a shoe in a department store or a good-looking outfit, a product display. Uh, it's on display uh, uh, representing and showing everybody what's on the inside. And when people see you, that's what they should see. Your life should be product display. They should say, ooh, I think I want a little bit of that. You should be displaying Jesus is my point. Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Amen. He not only healed him, but he took his place. Anna, come on up. Are you living on the outskirts of town? Are you in a lonely place? Are you hiding behind a screen? Are you hiding behind a wall? Are you hiding behind the screen on your phone? Have you created this persona of who you want people to think you are and too ashamed to come out? Or maybe you've come out and you've come to church and maybe you've come 50 paces but I just want to invite you this morning to go 51 paces. To go 51 paces. 
because the man didn't get healed at 50 paces. The man got down on his knees. That was 51. And at 51, he got in close proximity and he got a touch by Jesus. And he got up and was healed. Went his way, healed, left better than he came. And when Mark was up here this morning, let's stand, let's stand. When Mark was up here this morning, he said, I pray, I pray, I'm believing for altars that are full of people. What he's talking about is what he was saying is I'm praying, I'm believing for people to go 51. A lot of people have come 50. I'm just praying and believing people's going to go 51 and they're going to kneel down to a God, the only one that can save them, the only one that can heal them, the only one that can set them free, that they'll come out from behind that screen. They'll come out from that lonely place and they'll just throw it all off. I don't care what people think anymore. It don't matter. I'm done. I'm over with it. I've tried on my own. This performance-based thing's not getting it. I've been walking, and each week I'm getting closer and closer and closer, but this is the week I'm ready for 51. I'm ready to kneel down because I know my issue has a name, but I also know there's a name that's greater than the name of my issue. I just invite you this morning. 51, 51, 51, 51. Just to kneel down. Say, I know you can. And now I know you're willing. And I'm here. And I want to be cleansed. And I want to be set free. And I want to leave some things with you. I'm tired of living in lonely, desolate places. I'm tired of coming home from work physically, but not mentally. So the altar's open. The altar's open.
Thank you, Lord. I know this. I know that some people bow down in their hearts. Whether you got out of your seat and moved or not, I'm not concerned with that. There's some people bowed down in their hearts. They may not have come out here and made a public display. Maybe you just felt uncomfortable. That's okay. You really bow down in your heart. You can go home and bow down in your kitchen, your living room, your bedroom. You bow down in your heart. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. taking our place and just like this leper had lost his feeling and couldn't feel anything he was numb living in a lonely place Jesus came and took his place so that the leper could feel again and Father we just thank you this morning that we can feel again and a lot of us have been numb been numb and hard hearted but we just thank you that we feel again. That our lamps are burning again. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we're going to be a lamp and a light unto all men everywhere we go. And thank you for giving us our feeling back. We want to feel. We want to feel your presence. We want to feel your touch. We want to feel your compassion. We want to feel your peace. We want to feel your joy. We want to feel your healing. We want to feel you, God. We thank you. We thank you. And every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you're just not sure. Well, that's definitely the first step. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to advertise it on Facebook. It's just going to be between you and the Lord. I'm just going to lead you through a prayer, a prayer that will forever change your life. But if that's you this morning, and I already feel a tug, I know somebody's here. I know somebody's here with that's you. I just ask you right where you're seated. Just either slip your hand up or just open your eyes so I can see you. Good deal. Good deal. So let's get together corporately here. And just repeat after me. Say, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming to a cross and taking our place. We thank you for consuming our sins so that we can feel again. And we surrender our lives to you this morning. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we're leaving out better than we came in, amen? And don't forget about Easter. Don't forget about Easter. Don't leave yet.